What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uri here, and we are recording right after Game 1 win against the Washington Wizards. The final score was, of course, 125 to 118. Guys, how excited are we that the Sixers are up 1-0? Very excited. My Phoenix Suns also got a victory, so it's been a good day. Um, when do they become your Phoenix Suns? Always. No, uh, if anything, they should be my sons because I actually covered them for like a year. Leave it up to Chris to mention the Phoenix Suns on a Sixers podcast. If, oh if anything, he should be Anthony mentioning Disney the Hawks because they're playing the Knicks right now. Who are the Hawks? Who are the you Hawks? <laughs> that's your, that, you that's your neck of the woods, Hawks buddy. For the painted lines for like two weeks. Covered them with what? <laughs> no. So, Lucas, I feel good about this win, and I expect a sweep. I told – did I not pre- – I predicted that. I think you predicted in five originally, right, Uriah? Originally, I did. You did call me out on that, but I changed my mind. I really think the Sixers are going to dominate the rest of the series. I think so, too, but we'll get into that in a moment, right, Chris? Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. We're just going to jump right in now and talk about game one. As you mentioned, Lucas, at 125-118 to 118 victory – some pretty big performances. Tobias Harris had 37 points, a new playoff career high for him. Joel Embiid had 30 points despite a pretty significant foul trouble issue in the first half. And Ben Simmons had 15 boards and 15 assists, only six points, had some free throw troubles. But all around, a really strong night from him as well, I think. What were some of your big takeaways? There's a lot of big takeaways that I can take from this, Chris. There's not just one. Um, Obviously, I called out, and you guys remember this last week, I, last podcast, I said Tobias Harris versus Rui Hashimura was a big matchup for the Sixers. Tobias Harris has had something to prove coming into this series because for the Sixers in, in general for his career, but especially for the Sixers, he had not shown up for playoff games. 
He comes in career-high 37 points in the playoffs, 15 of 29 shooting from the floor. I believe 28 of those points were in the first half, Chris. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Two of five from the three-point line, two steals, six boards, two assists. This is probably one of Harris's best overall games on the season and probably his Sixers tenure, to be honest, Um, especially in the fact that it came in the playoffs that – certainly hypes it. Danny Green had a great playoff game, three or four from the three-point line, two steals, one block. Did a pretty decent job on Russell Westbrook, all things considered. I I thought Danny probably isn't the best guy to guard Westbrook, but minus like one really bad transition layup where he just got beat bad on a crossover, Green did really good on Westbrook. Embiid, as you said, foul troubles. I think he only had like, what, 10 points in the first half? And then he just lit it up in this third and fourth quarters. Ben, fantastic game all around, except on offense, scoring the ball. I mean, because passing the ball, he was great. Three of nine from the field, not great, but that's okay because he had 15 assists and minus missings all of his six free throws. I mean, there's really not much to complain about Ben here. Um, he was aggressive, he was making the right reads. No bad turnovers. He only had two turnovers on the game. That's great for Ben. And then let me give you guys something. After Seth Curry went down with that hand injury, I was worried because I guess he, I, I did, I couldn't listen to the game. I could only watch the game. I was, my daughter was napping. So I had to mute the game for our listeners. I will say that after he came back in, especially in that third and fourth quarter, he sparked a run with his three point shooting. I think he at one point hit like, Three, two threes and a two in a four-possession span that brought the pick sixers from behind to ahead by like five or six. So Curry was big in that second half. Dwight, I mean, it was not a great defensive game from Dwight, though I think we weren't expecting that awkward hook shot from Lopez to be so efficient. But Dwight did not look great against the centers again for the uh, Wizards. Maxi, when he played, he looked good. He looked good in the minutes that he played. He didn't play too much, but he looked good in those minutes. George Hill, unsung hero, you know, kept a cool demeanor. I, I remember seeing Doc Rivers saying in the postgame presser that he was the one that kept the second unit, you know, calm and collected. Five of eight from the field, one of three from three point line. Had some really nice backdoor cuts, some layups, 11 points, two assists. Shake Milton, I, I, you know what I did find interesting? He, he didn't really impress me with his offensive game or much at all, but he was guarding Davis Bertans, and Bertans was guarding him on the opposite end, which, I mean, it's great that, you know, he was able to guard Bertans, but at the same point, I'm kind of concerned that they don't, see him as a legitimate threat on the offensive end this game because they have Bertans guarding him. So, I don't know. Maxi, I thought he played great defense in that third quarter, even if, you know, he had two steals, two blocks, got a little chippy there with Bertans. Well, actually, that was Bertans. Bertans wasn't happy when he got him from behind um, with that block. So, Matisse Thibel... Great defensive effort. Wish there was more there on offense, but I guess the only other takeaway is that we saw because of that foul trouble for Embiid, we saw a lineup of Ben, Matisse, and Dwight, and that did not look good for the Sixers. But outside of that, I thought it was good. 
Yeah, Lucas, you, you bring up a lot of great points. Um, the the Ben Matisse Dwight, I, I think part of that again is just the foul trouble, like you mentioned. I think Dwight played in a lot of lineups that he wouldn't normally play in, so I'm not too concerned about that. I, I will say, Robin Lopez has been like the Steph Curry of hook shots lately, so I I, I don't I I certainly expected them to go in, uh, but. I do think your Danny Green point is interesting because I, I think that is absolutely the best matchup for him. Um, I, I think I feel pretty vindicated. I, I mentioned that Ben should guard Beal yeah, on the last you're right. spot. I think you, I feel you were right. I give on you credit point. on that. Yeah, I will um, concede that point because Westbrook, 7 of 17, no three pointers, only five yeah, rebounds, Westbrook six was turnovers. Terrible today. Westbrook was yeah. awful. In the half court, I'm not scared of Westbrook at all. I don't think you need to waste Ben like sitting 10 feet back on Westbrook in the half court. Well, Westbrook uh, did his damage is out in the open court when the Sixers were turning the ball over and missing shots. But in the half court, I think you need Ben to chase Beal around those screens and to do all that. Danny can't chase people around screens like he used to. That's been his biggest weakness this series. I think him sitting back and kind of absorbing Westbrook on the straight line drives is probably the best use of him. I think he did a really good job. And, um, I mean, Beal's the guy who unlocks that offense. They, they don't have much half-court scoring talent outside of Beal and Bertans when he's flying around screens and hitting threes. So I, I think you need to use Ben and Matisse really on those two um, when, when they're on the floor together. So Interesting stats here, Chris. Beal had six turnovers and was only one of six from the three-point line. That's, yeah. I mean, he like, had 33 points and on – you know, good overall efficiency, but those are the areas that you really want to bother Beal, and it happens. So good for him. Yeah, good for like, Ben. Beal is an all-world scorer. He's one of the three or four best peer scorers on the planet. He's going to get his yeah. own, pretty much regardless. But Ben did a fantastic job, despite those thirty-three points. As you mentioned, so did Matisse did a great job as well. Yeah. So I, I I think that's something that Doc has to stick with. Like, like mm-hmm. Westbrook was. I mean, his jumper is just comically bad at this point. I, I don't quite know what's going on there. They, yeah, they he didn't. He, he had a couple of hit off the backboard that didn't even touch the rim. That was he had multiple shots. It like reminded that. me, and I, I don't mean to t- talk bad about this friend. I went to high school with him. His name is Wes. I won't just follow his just last name, but he he did not really have a jump shot either. And I remember this one scrimmage where Wes took a shot. Probably about the same distance Westbrook did those turnaround faders, and he literally hit the the shot hit the top of the backboard, and that's what I when I saw Westbrook do that. That's what that's what made me think of uh, my friend Wes. No offense, Wes, I love you. So, Lucas, who were some of your key defensive players in this game? Breaking news, Sixers fans! This public service announcement is brought to you by Manscaped.com, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer. Their advanced ceramic blade and skin-safe technology is so good that it almost seems as if Manscaped work with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure that your family jewels are as safe as possible. What makes this trimmer so different than other trimmers? First, a new multi-function on-off switch can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel. Next, the optimized Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof, so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. Did I mention charging? The Lawnmower 4.0's new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. 
Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. And now, back to the podcast. Well, I mean, we already touched about Ben and Matisse, and Danny Green's going to have to be the other one for me. And we, like I said, I already talked about how good he was on Westbrook. Um, Joel, honestly, um, I wasn't too impressed. I will say, I thought uh, Seth Curry did a decent job on Hal Neto, you know, your boy who got attacked there, Chris. So I will say this. He was justified in being upset because Dwight hacked him on that three-pointer. Look, oh, yeah. this blanket statement, the rest were awful for both teams. Oh, absolutely. The rest, the rest were just on a different freaking planet tonight. Gosh, I'm surprised nobody fouled out. Yeah, I would say Green, Ben, and Thibel, who are the team's three best perimeter defenders. So, yeah, but I will say Seth did a good job on his assignment. Dwight didn't do a good job against those three centers when he was playing. He was a minus 13, which is only is the second worst behind Milton, who was a minus 14. Yeah, I agree. I think Ben and Matisse are kind of the obvious ones. Obviously, Danny had a sort of difficult challenge in Westbrook. I, I do think Embiid was really good in that fourth quarter once he got past Oh, yeah, out. the fourth quarter, yes. Uh, I mean, he was a really big part of keeping Beal out of the paint in that quarter and kind of shutting that Washington offense down. So I think Joel deserves credit, too. But, Lucas, who are some of your key offensive players? Maybe beyond, like, Tobias and Joel, who had 37 and 30 apiece. I think they're kind of obvious. Did anyone else stand out to you? I already said it earlier. Seth Curry, man. Seth Curry, he came on in that third quarter after that hand injury. I thought he was not going to be able to hit it. He came in confident. He came in aggressive. Like I said, I think he had a span of two threes and a two and a four possession span. And he would have had two threes, but he missed the first three-point attempt, I think. He was just aggressive. He was going at it. Three of nine, nine three-pointers. That's how many three-pointers Seth Curry should be taking in any game because he's that good. So, yeah, that that's who I liked in, outside of, you know, Embiid and Harris because Seth Curry got aggressive and he was uh, – him and George Hill were their only other two – well, no, I guess Danny Green. Uh, but, yeah, Seth Curry, my guy, for sure, 15 points. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Seth would be my answer, too. Um, Lucas, who was your most disappointing player of the game? I know I'm going to get a lot of hate because, you know, I've gotten hate for bashing on this guy before, but it's going to be Forkan Korkmaz. Came in five minutes, zero of three. The, these weren't contested looks, Chris. These were wide-open three-point shots. Wide open. The contest came late on each one of them. And he missed it as a sharpshooter. That is unacceptable. It's clear, just unacceptable. And that's that's my guy. And I mean, if Forkon Korkmaz is my biggest disappointment, I will be okay because he disappoints me half the time anyway. The other time he shocks me and amazes me, but the other time he disappoints. So, yeah, that's my disappointment of the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm not too worried about the Furcon minutes. Uh, you know, sometimes you're just off. I, I think he'll be better in the future if he gets another chance to play. Though, that's something we'll probably get into here next. Tyrese Maxey pretty much replaced him in the second half, which I, I do think is pretty notable. 
Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I mean, yeah, Dwight Howard wasn't particularly great. I was quite disappointed in the refs, again, just because Joel picked up three fouls in the first half and had to sit for a pretty extended period of time when the second and third of those fouls were just ridiculous. I mean, absolute, mm-hmm. like, minimal contact. Yeah, Alex balls. Lynn ran into that, that third foul where Alex Lynn drove for that layup. Lynn drove into Joel. Joel was literally trying to avoid him. And yeah. he just and flopped. Like, Doc Rivers should have used this challenge, at least on that third foul, because like another five to six minutes of Joel in that first half probably makes the second half less of a, uh, you know, less tight affair. So the game probably would have been over sooner than it was if Joel had played his regular workload. So I, I think Doc deserves some level of criticism for just not using his challenge for whatever reason, because it was very clearly not a foul. But, yeah, it, it is what it is. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But let's go ahead and transition here now. We're going to talk about the rotations. Chris, how do you feel about the substitution pattern in Game 1? Um, I mean, I felt I felt okay about it. Again, the Dwight Howard-Ben Simmons grouping especially when Matisse is out there too, isn't ideal. I I don't think we'll see as much of that when Joel isn't in foul trouble. So I think Doc gets a bit of a pass for that. He started the fourth quarter with an all bench group. Not, not really the best time to break the glass on that. In my opinion, he did it in the first half too, Chris. Okay. Well, yeah, less of that in general. I I don't think we need, I don't think we need to see that in the playoffs. I think I at least get, one starter needs to be out there. Yeah, you can get away with it against the Wizards because they're the Wizards, and, you know, Tobias was pretty gassed in the second half, so I, I, I get it to some degree because Tobias in the second unit has probably been the most effective, you know, star-plus bench players group all season, but not ideal. Overall, I, I didn't have any major concerns. I liked that Doc was willing to go to Tyrese once Furkan and, and Shake were cold. I think Maxi looked really good in his very brief time on the floor. You know, his first playoff touch ever was an and one. Uh, so uh, a very confident start for him. I, I hope to see more of him this series. I think he's earned a spot, frankly. Not ahead of Furkan, ahead of Shake even. So uh, I, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm all down for more Maxi minutes. I honestly think him coming off the bench in this series could make this series so much easier because – Shake, he's looking like he will be like the eighth or ninth man next year coming off the bench, assuming the team stays relatively the same. Max, he looks like he could be, you know, fighting for a starting spot, depending on what happens with Danny Green and free agency. What Max, he can do is he gives you a third person besides Joel and and Tobias. Who can create his own shot off the dribble, and he's probably the most and that probably the most what's the word I'm looking for here reliable person to do it because Joel's seven foot he's going to lose his dribble like he did late in the game um what was it under a minute and Joel hit the ball off the side of his ankle, and Tobias, while he's great, he's you don't want him dribbling a whole bunch and creating his own shot off the dribble. You want him driving or you want him spotting up. Maxi can do that. He can create his own shot off the dribble in the mid-range the best. So I want more Maxi minutes. 
The other stuff you already touched on, Corkmaz, you know, looked cold. I already said what I needed to say about him. Maxi didn't look, I mean, not Maxi, Milton didn't look too great either. So I, I feel okay about it. I don't want to see any more bench minute, you know, all bench units. But I mean, it wasn't bad. You're going to play your starters a lot more, and I'm okay with that. But let me ask you this, Chris. What surprised you the most about this rotation in game one? I mean, really, not not much. This is pretty much in line with what Doc has been doing all year. I, I wasn't surprised to see him go. I mean, technically, he went 11 deep, but this was a 10-man group. He just replaced Frick on with Maxi. Uh, I wasn't surprised to see him go that deep. He said he would consider it. He said he was comfortable doing it. That's what he's been doing all season. This is the Wizards. If it were the Nets, then maybe he would shed a player or two off of that group. But for the time being, I think going 10 deep is fine. So I I really wasn't that surprised. I think we all saw Maxi maybe getting an opportunity if someone went cold. Maybe Frickon going as cold as he did right away was a bit of a shock, but nothing that made me like like gasp or or anything. So I'm not really surprised at all. I will say one thing that I was surprised about is that he did not go to Mike Scott for this Joel Embiid minutes. Because in the past, he would usually go to Mike Scott so that there would be more spacing on offense for the Sixers. But Mike Scott versus three these three centers who two are seven foot and over 250 pounds and the other one's 6'10 and 200, almost 40 pounds. Yeah, no, no Mike Scott in this matchup. That He's too small against those guys. So Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's why he didn't go to Mike because it would have just been a terrible matchup. Like, Lynn and Lopez would devour Mike Scott. Every position yeah. on the floor. I have a question. We can celebrate Ben Simmons' contributions with assists and defense, and that's well worth celebrating because he earned it. But we can't ignore missing all six of his free throws, particularly toward the end of the game when it was a tight game. Do you think that Ben Simmons should be taken out in crunch time situations so that no. they don't? foul him deliberately you think they're going to keep him in they they didn't do that in this game and i'm just happy that they did they did they did well they did at the very very end but it it didn't matter because the team's defense was good enough to hold up but let me say this i am happy that he was aggressive enough to attempt six free throws because we didn't see that for most of the season well well i mean two of those were from an intentional foul at the end it's not like he was Find his way to the free throw line this game. He True, but shots. I don't know, Chris. You want to answer this? I feel like he, because you're the pro Ben Simmons guy, maybe you should be answering this more than I should. Because I'm just happy that he took six free throws, even though two of them were at the end. Yeah, look, I I think Ben was great in this game. I think this was a particularly good game from him, like an exceptional effort all around. Obviously, the free throws are an issue if he's. O of six at the end of the game, you should probably take him out, Uriah. I would agree with that. I think that's the way to go. We see teams sub out defensive-minded centers all the time. They have other ball handlers in George Hill and Tyrese Maxey, et cetera, who can step in for a possession or two. I, I, I definitely think you have to, you know, go with the flow of the game and take him out if he needs to be taken out. But overall, this was an aberration. I mean, he's a 60-something percent free-throw shooter. He's not going to go 0 for 6 every night. He very rarely does. He's 
traditionally been pretty good at hitting like crunch time free throws when people put him on the line purposely. He, he's normally above average, above his average, at least in those situations. So I'm not that worried about it. I, I don't think this is as big an issue as people are making it out to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he's 0 of 6 and he's struggling down the stretch, yeah. You take him out. You're right. He he has hit some. I'll give you that. He has hit some big shots in the past from the free throw line. But in the playoffs, it's something that I think Doc should consider. Just putting George Hill in just toward the end. So if it's close, we have a better chance of maintaining a lead. I don't see a problem with just subbing him in for a possession or two to prevent that situation. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I will say this. An alternative is if they're going to foul right away, make Ben Simmons the inbounder. Now that I'm thinking back, I think that foul happened because um, he got the rebound, right? Or the steal. It wasn't a dead ball possession where he got it as at, at the inbound. He got it off of. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was Russ like pushing him from behind as he tried to get up floor. So it, it was also did you like see that little cheap 25- shot that Russ did on Danny. I, I get it, for that but... in the third quarter. He got a he got a foul for that because he was like. I think he was just up. frustrated. He was frustrated. Well, Danny had tried to swipe the ball from him out, uh, after a rebound, and then he got the half court and he gave Danny a little hit check and he got a. Fa- I'm surprised yeah. he didn't get a technical I mean, on him. Look, get some huh? playoffs. Guys are gonna yeah. get chippy. You, you just gotta live with it. I don't think Russ is a dirty player. He, he's oh no, he's not. So I'm not worried about it. I'm surprised nothing happened between him and Joel this game, to be honest. But I would just make Ben the inbounder. But if it's like off of a uh, you know turnover or rebound or something, Ben just needs to get the ball out of his hands as soon as possible. But if he can't, you just live with it. Like Chris said, he's usually a better free throw shooter than he showed tonight. Yeah, I agree. So, Lucas, we're going to move on and kind of view this from Washington's perspective. How prepared do you think Scott Brooks was in this game? Um, you know, what did the Wizards do to counteract Philly's size, for example? And, and what do you think they're going to do in game two? Do you anticipate any big changes? Do I think Scott Brooks and the Wizards were prepared? I mean, as as prepared as an eight seed can be for number one seed, yeah, I think they, they played the Sixers well. I mean, they got one of the best three scorers in the NBA, Bradley Beal. And Russell Westbrook can impact the game a lot of different ways. Their three-headed monster at center showed up to play tonight. So I, I say monster as a figure of speech. They're not actually a monster. But they're a solid three-man rotation at center. Rui Hachimura, though, did not do well on defense. Showed up, you know, he was efficient on offense. The Wizards aren't a good defensive team. And they, at for stretches, especially when Joel was out, played good defense against the Sixers. So they played it as good as they could. Uh, I Obviously, you're not going to be prepared enough to beat the Sixers in a seven-game series, but they definitely tested them for sure. I mean, granted, part of that was foul calls, but, you know, still, I thought they did a decent job, all things considered. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, you look at the second quarter, which is probably when Washington played its best basketball, when they were out and running in transition, that's their bread and butter. That that's how they play good offense. They they aren't a very good half court offense. Their half court offense is basically Bradley Beal and Davis Bertans and Westbrook doing Westbrook things, which is a very he unreliable. did make some pretty good passes in the half court. I'll give him credit on that. He did have like what fifteen assists tonight. Yeah, 
he had 14 well, assists, and I, I don't think he was very productive, which probably tells you about, I don't know. But generally speaking, their, their half-court offense is pretty much centered around Beal and Bertans opening things up either for themselves or for other people. So if you can keep them in that setting and you can contain Beal as well as they contain him in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter, then you're in a pretty good spot. Um, the Sixers obviously have the defensive personnel to give Washington a lot of trouble. Like you said, though, the Wizards did play them really hard. I mean, they're, they're, this is a team that was four games below 500. There were stretches of this game where it looked like they might win. Now, granted, and B got in foul trouble, and there were some some questionable calls. Again, I don't want to keep bringing up the refs because I, I do think that went both ways. But the Wizards played well. I, I certainly think they were prepared. This, this is very clearly a hardworking and mature group, if nothing else. I think Westbrook has brought a lot as a leader to that locker room. There's a chance they might, you know, put Bertans in the starting five, try to add more size and more shooting that way. I, I think Davis is someone who the Sixers somewhat struggle can, to contain if they have been on, on you know, Beal. M- Matisse is obviously, I think, the solution there. You put Matisse on Beal and you can have Ben Chase Bertans around, but when, when those two aren't on the floor together, Davis can give the Sixers a lot of problems. I, I think that might be a change they make. The only guy the Sixers really have to guard him in the starting five is Seth Curry. So that that's something the... The Wizards might try to go to, but I, I think they were pretty well prepared. Yeah, you bring up a good point in game two about, you know, possible changes, um, about Bertans being in starting five. If they do that, which I don't think he's been good as a starter this year. I'm not sure. I'd have to double check the stats on that, but he does. I, there's a reason why he's coming off the bench. Um, but if they go big like that, then you're going to have to well, either... Well, look, I mean, it's Howell Neto or him. I mean, it's not like they have a bunch of talent. They don't. That roster. I, they don't. They paid I'm him not, $15 million a year for a reason, too. I, I think he's good when is he's Is Aviati going to be healthy for this series? Because yeah, that makes a difference. He's out for the year. He's out for the year? Okay. Well, then, yeah, they don't have anybody. But, I like, I... Well, unless you want to see Chandler Hutchinson. <laughs> um, okay. But Maybe. no, my my point is this: is that if you start Bertans, then you're gonna have to have Curry guard either Bertans, Rui Hachimura, because you can't take Danny Green, you can't put him on Russ Brook or or Beal. Yeah, no, I think Curry guards Bertans, which is both a mismatch and something I'd be sort of interested to see because Curry can certainly chase Bertans around screens better than Bertans can chase him around screens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a pretty decent chance Bertans would have to guard him or Danny Green, too, because, I mean, you don't want Russ guarding Curry. You don't really want Beal guarding Curry. So they're either going to have to have one of their stars running around screens chasing Seth, or they're going to have to put Bertans on Curry. So it, it it's a double-edged sword. It goes both ways. Yeah, for sure. And it, Bertans isn't the type of guy that will go down and post up Curry. That's not his game. Um, I I just it will be interesting because, like I said earlier, we saw Shake Milton guard Bertans and vice versa. So certainly something to watch in the future there for sure. But uh, so Chris, recently on I believe it was the Danny Green podcast, Joel uh, was it Joel? Yeah, I think it was Joel Embiid. Joel Joel Embiid was on as a guest, and he said that Sam Hinkie should ring the bell for the Sixers in a playoff game. Chris, 
you think Sam Hinkie should ring the bell for the Sixers in a playoff game? Uh, I mean, some people have probably thought too hard about this. Like, the Sixers aren't going to do it. They're going to let it happen. I think there's some level of embarrassment from that front office still. Or not from the front office, but from ownership. Even after Colangelo has left, I, I think there's they're not going to bring back a former GM to ring the bell. Um, should they? I, I don't know. I'm sure it would be fun for Joel. I'm sure the fans would love it. It probably earned a pretty big cheer before the game. Like, Joel is Joel. Joel obviously loves Sam. I don't think anyone else on the roster really has an opinion on Sam Hinkie at this point. It's really just Joel. So I, I don't really see it happening or anything. So that's about where I stand. It's too soon for both sides. Sam has been a recluse since his stint with the Sixers has ended. He's teaching classes in, what is it, Stanford now or some college. Um, he's not really doing anything. His uh, business venture, which I think is, what is it called? Like something 684, 86, I don't know. The The point is, is that Sam's not interested in coming back to back. If he wanted to be involved in basketball, he would have done it because I'm pretty sure he would have gotten a front office, maybe not a GM job, but another front office gig. Sure. I don't think Sam wants to come out of his his little shell right now. And I think it's still too soon for the Sixers ownership, like Chris said, for them to be okay, owning up to whatever happened there between them. So um, should I do I think he should be? Yes, but it's too soon right now. Uh, but let me ask you this, Chris, to kind of shift gears a little bit. If not Sam, then then who should be the future bell ringers in this playoff? These playoffs? Any names in particular that stick out to you that you would like to see? Uh, I mean, that's tough for me because I'm not, you know, I'm not from Philadelphia, so I don't, I'm not quite as in touch with all like the local celebrities. You know, I could say like Allen Iverson, who's done it before. Guys who have been on past playoff teams, that, that's always fun. I'm sure that hypes up the crowd. Um, but as far as like local celebrities or names that you've never thought of, I, I really don't have any just because I'm not probably the best person to. You don't think Brett Brown should come back and ring the bell? Come on. That's your, that's your guy. <laughs> See, like, it's too soon. It's, really it's too soon. It's like I a breakup. You have to give it time. I love Brett, but that would be super awkward. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's too soon. Yeah. I will throw out some names just for namesake because why not? Kevin Hart, mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone, Let's go Chris Webber, and the reason why I say Webber is because he was just and he's a finalist for the Hall of Fame. I don't think he would want to. He didn't have a good stint in Philadelphia. I mean, we could see. It. It. I mean, worst worst case scenario is that he says no. Let's see here. Um, what about Will Smith? You think Will Smith would Ooh, do that'd it? That'd be a good one. Yeah. Will Smith, that's a solid one. I was actually thinking, is Moses Malone, Moses Malone is still alive, right? No, he passed away a while ago, a couple years yeah. ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Matumbo rang the bell tonight, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Matumbo yeah, did it tonight. Good. Yeah. Maybe somebody like. No, I'm trying. I'm just thinking of some people here. Yeah, um, I think I think you pick some good Aubrey ones. Plaza? She's from she she's not from she's not from Philly, but she's from Wilmington, Delaware, which is right next to Philly. Who? What's her name? Aubrey Plaza. She's an actress. She you, no she idea. was the girl on Parks and Rec. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's possible. 
I'm I don't know. Uh Joe Flacco, because he played at UD. I don't know. No. And he's all the others now. No. Jalen no, Hurts. No. Maybe Jalen Hurts. No, uh, I don't know. It, right now, Jay- Philly's up in the air about who they want their quarterback to be. Joe Flacco? Yeah, he's a he's he signed I mean, it. You're reaching. You're reaching right now. Yeah. All right, let's I move on. Reaching. Let's move on. All right, we've come down to then. There's no social media question of the week because I was having some issues getting into the website. But anyway, uh, the social media question of the week is, if it was, it would have been, do you think Steph Curry is going to be a sixer one day? No, no, <laughs> no, no. Leave it alone. It, let's wait until the off season for this discussion. I know. I'm just joking. Yeah, I know. I'm joking. I, I just... I had to toss that in there because for the people out there who are just coming at my neck about that will never happen. Look, just have a little imagination. Okay. Chris said it earlier. We were talking one-on-one. He said, you know, speak it to, speak it to existence. Speak it to existence. It was a good read. I like the article for people that don't know. Uriah just recently wrote an article about how Steph Curry should come to the Sixers in 2022 Give it a read. It's a fun read. Even if you don't agree with it, it's a good read. Check it out. Yeah. Thank, thanks for the plug, Lucas. And and I, I just get annoyed when people – and it's part of the territory, so I'm not complaining. I just do get a little annoyed when people look at what we do and say, we're just doing it for clicks. I mean, it's, it's, I put 1,500 words into that, a lot of research, and I thought it's logical. I don't, it, it may not be likely – that he'll leave the Bay Area to come to Philadelphia. But I do think there are a few dots you that be, a valid be connected. Argument. Yeah, and that's all you can do. So, yeah, all right, let's get back to you guys. It comes with the territory, man. Yeah. So let's get back to you guys. And the last topic of tonight has to do with some of the games that have happened already. A lot of game ones from the West and the East Coast. So we'll start with Chris. Chris, which game has been the most entertaining for you so far? I feel like you guys already know the answer to this. It's my beloved sons, Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Why are you stealing my secondary team, Chris? The Lakers struggling. Anthony Disney with another crappy night. DeAndre Ayton locked him down. That's not my creation, but I do think it's a great nickname. Um, You know, LeBron getting up there do i really truly in my heart believe that phoenix is going to win this series uh you know i'm not going to answer that but (laughs) good stuff from my boys in the desert so i quite enjoyed that i will say that this was a tough one for me because both of the games happened yesterday but i'm gonna go with the bucks and the heat that game went to overtime. Chris Middleton had a game winner. And he's starting to show that he can close out games. And that's scary for the Sixers. But let me tell you something. That was a good Heat-Bucks game. Did you guys get to see that game? Jimmy was off the whole game, but when it mattered most, he hit that game-tying shot. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was surprised that Giannis let him get by him like that. Maybe he was expecting help. But yeah, like you said, Chris Middleton. He was trying not to foul. Right, right, right. Hey, hey, I remember a certain Bucks themed podcast in which Lucas was saying the Bucks didn't have anyone who could hit big shots down the stretch. And hey, did you not hear me when I just at the beginning of this I said he's starring this show, he can hit big shots. Someone was like, Hey, what about Chris Middleton? (laughs) 
I said, I do remember that. I've proven it enough. And now I'm saying he's starting to prove it to me. Some anonymous genius on that podcast. <laughs> wow. Humble Pie. You're right. We need to get Chris some Humble Pie here. Uh, hey, I'm. <laughs> my name's Bennett. I'm not in it. <laughs> I'm out of it. I was. I wasn't even there for that podcast. I just edited it. No, I, I. I will say this, Chris. You were right. Middleton starting to show it. I starting think a great series. Like three years of this stuff. Nah, 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 nah. It was maybe no, but... started last year and more this year. I will say this. That series will go seven games, and it is yeah. going to be a fun series. I agree. But now I believe the Bucks will win. I know I picked the Heat in our last podcast, but after seeing that game winner, I, I trust the Bucks to pull this off. And how about yep. Drew Holiday? Drew Holiday is making a big difference already. They lose that game last year without Holiday. Oh, they, they, lose told, they lose that game by 10 points. Yeah. Uh, I will also say this. I liked how they double teamed out of bio off the rebound. So he because that that is a pure genius tactic that I would not have thought of, to be honest with you. That I didn't think that they were going to do. That's something new that Budenholz has, you know, put into his scheme. I love it. The other series, it's a close one for me. I do really want to see what happens with the Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. I had a lot of fun with that game, too. I, I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I think the Mavs have a legit chance to upset the Clippers in this series. Wouldn't that be crazy if both the Clippers and the Suns, I mean, not the Suns, the Clippers and the Lakers lose in the first round? How crazy would that be? It wouldn't be too crazy with the type of season it's been. Plus, you said earlier that you think that AD and LeBron are hurt. They're they're probably not 100%. They are hurt. Yeah, they, they're certainly hurt. They're playing hurt. Look, I just want to make a public service announcement and really encourage Frank Vogel to keep playing Andre Drummond. I think it's a wonderful <laughs> decision. It is definitely working. There's no reason to change. You should play 30 minutes a night. It, it's, it's a great, great choice. Keep Marcus all on the bench. Why go to him? There's no reason. So, Chris, let me ask you this, because there's a lot of bashing of Andre Drummond. Do you believe Drummond's a starter in the NBA right now? I believe he should be on the bench right now. But Do you think he should actually, be getting minutes? Vogel should keep starting him. <laughs> no. Um, look, it's probably team-dependent and situational and all that fun stuff. Uh, like, he was pretty good in Cleveland to start the season. Yeah, I never really understood why they decided to ditch him for, I mean, Jared Al. I mean, like, if he was playing so good for well, Cleveland in the beginning of the season, what happened? Like, what changed? What made them ditch him? Well, Cleveland's a rebuilding team, and Jared Allen is younger and better. They're, but they're going to have to pay Allen this summer, too, so they'd be paying overpaying for a center either way. I'd much rather pay Allen than Drummond. Like, Allen's just a, a better player, and he fits their okay. timeline. I, I well, I, the timeline thing I get because Drummond's in his mid to late twenties now, right? Yeah, and look, like Drummond shouldn't be starting for the Lakers. So, if AD is going to play like garbage and then keep insisting that he needs to play power forward in order to be happy, then maybe Phoenix does win this series because they clearly need to change something. You said his name wrong, Chris. You I will said his say name that. wrong. It's A Disney. A right. Disney. 
That's what that means. I, I saw it on Twitter. I'm like, what is that? Now you clarified that for me. I, I'm I I this, that's the most beautiful thing that I've heard today, and I've heard my daughter say like her doll's name today. So, oh, yeah, it was very sweet. But yeah, yeah no, a Dis- Anthony Disney is the best thing that I've heard today. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, I'm joking. Of course, it's my daughter talking, but still, um, no, I mean, each one of these series is going to be fun. I honestly think without it. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, there's a chance that the Grizzlies could upset the Jazz in this first round. Look, like Grizzlies, Mavericks in the second round, and then like Suns, Blazers would be the funniest thing to ever happen. Because who would come out of the West then? It could be the Blazers. It could be the Suns. It it could be Phoenix. I will say this. I need to see how healthy Chris Paul is because he did hurt his shoulder. And the Sixers lost to them twice this year. They, I don't think the Sixers match up well with them. That'd no, be a tough matchup for Phil. They they were like every time they see Phoenix, they're like, man, we could have had Mikel. Alrighty, thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Sixers Sense Podcast. The Sixers are up 1-0, so playoff basketball is in full swing now. Finally, we'll have plenty of exciting topics and guests on in the future. So please continue to tune in wherever you are listening on Spotify, iTunes, Omni. Leave a review, a rating. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you want us to talk about. We will certainly take it into account. And, you know, we will be back later in the week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.